In the 2020s, a pandemic crippled the world. Some panicked, some denied it. These two guys stayed home, drank, and watched movies. These are the Jameson Tapes. Hey, hey, Abismi, I have, I have a question. Okay. If my parents are dead and the phone rang and they said it was my parents, then who was phone? Phone was phone, obviously. Phone was phone. Yeah. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Jameson Tapes. It's a show where myself, Alan, and my partner, Abismi, mm-hmm. we, we imbibe some drinks and we watch spooky-ass movies. And I'm going to start us off by I have a shot of Jameson and about three quarters of a pint of a Strongbow Dry Cider. And I'm just going to go real quick and bloop. Ah. <sighs> ah. Okay, we're in business. I've done a Boilermaker. It's been a while. That used to be yeah. sort of a tradition. I've, I've burped into the microphone, so I think we're ready to kick things off. The ritual is complete. What you drinking, Bisbee? I was sick for most of this week, so I wasn't able to get any new exciting alcohol. I've just been doing more absinthe for this recording, but... That's a hell of a drink for this. <laughs> it definitely helped. Recently, I went to a local brewery called Bolt Brewing. If you're ever in San Diego, check them out. They have a beer on tap called Hard Pressed Orange, and it tastes like if Orange Crush were a beer. And it's very, very huh. tasty. I just want to shout them out because I, I really like to like to I'm, shout out my local breweries. I'm jealous of your bar scene because I'm trying to find a new bar. My local bar that I used to go to all the time did not survive COVID. Um, oh, no. And I'm trying to find a new bra- bar and there's no like, there's no like middle ground. I can't find a good cocktail bar to save my fucking life. It's all just like tap houses. Yeah. But aside from that, we watched a movie. Oh, oh uh, I, aside from the Boilermaker I just did, I'm drinking Boulevard Wheat. Hmm. Which I'm going to make you drink eventually. It's, it yes. Is, it is my beer of choice. No, I'm down. We watched a movie, and we're, we're typically behind the times here on this show. We Re- record episodes ahead of time, and even, even now, <laughs> this, our, <laughs> no, people are talking less about this film, and we're just getting around to it. We we are uh, very behind, but it uh, was it was it was the new hotness recently. We watched Skinem Rink, and we have Ooh. some thoughts. A lot of thoughts. No matter your views on this movie, it is it traveled via word of mouth for a reason, and it is yeah. discussion worthy. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say my overall takeaway from the film was positive. Yes. But, and, and we discussed this during the recording, like, there have been, I've seen two camps of reviews for this film, and one of the camps was all TikTok going, like, this new movie came out and it's the scariest fucking movie ever, and it's gonna, like, your heart's gonna shoot out your asshole, you're gonna be so scared. <laughs> I just threw up my liver. I'm dead. I'm dead now. <laughs> and the other half, the, uh, the other side of that camp is just been... Yeah, this movie's just fucking boring. It's bullshit. Nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing happens. And I am firmly in the middle of both camps. <laughs> this is a very experimental film. So even giving it a fair shake, I think, should typically put you in the middle of, you know what? Yeah. They went out on a limb for a lot of things, but what it achieved deserves recognition. 
Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm happy in general to see films like this succeed. Yeah. And, and this this film has been a success. The, oh my god. Okay. Fifteen thousand dollar budget. Two million at the box office. And that like earnings aside, how did this get a theatrical release? Because this movie is on par with a YouTube horror ARG series. For sure. It, like, um, it opens up with credits that say, all of my Foley work is from freesound.org. Yeah. The site for YouTubers to you get Foley sounds. Holy it shit. It's equivalent of you going to a movie theater and seeing like p- parts of the soundtrack supplied by Kevin McLeod at a competition. Yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there is there's cartoons on a TV, and also just as like background music that are very much public domain that were taken from archive.org. Like this is such, yeah, th- this is the the new definition of like low budget horror. Like yeah. you know, shit was done for free. Significant assets are public domain stuff for free. That is that is just mind-boggling. That and, and I, I'm not saying this to say that this is not special and that this doesn't deserve its success, but it's crazy to think that something like this, that like if I saw this on YouTube, we'd be having a very different like discussion about it. Yeah, this you know if this was Marble Hornets, we would be like you know this is really cool and you know you know I always wonder if if this stuff would make it into theaters. And lo and behold, it has. Yeah. And I'm still like in disbelief that holy fuck, how did this make this into a theater? Can you imagine being either of the two kids in this movie and oh, like man. just, you know, you got filmed wandering around a weird house for a weekend and now you're in a movie that's made like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like I was in Skinamarink. I was Kevin or I was Kaylee. Holy shit. So, do we want to do we want to get into it? Do we want to dive into it? How do we dive into it? Cause... Great question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and how? So hmm. much and so nothing to talk about. It is a film composed, like I said, experimental. It is a film composed of a lot of still shots and then slow pans. Yeah. On mostly nothing. But uh, if you have a fetish for ceilings. You're going to pop like 80 nuts. You, you, you will need a lot of Gatorade after this movie. 15 minutes in, I've seen the fuck out of some ceilings. <laughs> yeah, I like how everything is con- is from a child's level of like perspective. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely cool. That's that's definitely 100% what they're going for. How to how to even frame this shit. So, it start a lot of the shots are from a low level and angling up towards a ceiling or staying kind of ground level. And this is very readily apparent that we are looking from the perspective of a small child. Sometimes we see a child in frame. Other times it's clear that we are from the perspective of a child. But like, we never see our parents' faces. We often see our parents just their legs because we're that short. And everything is in a very desaturated heavily heavily edited like playing with lights and shadows type of filter and film grain a lot of film grain which i understand why yeah and we kind of we tuned into this the idea is that it not only in audio but also visually 
it obscures things. And it does a very good job of that. There's a part where we're told to look under a bed. Yeah. And that is probably the eeriest part of the movie. Yeah. Is just slowly looking under the bed and we see nothing because of just how the brightness and the contrast is played with. And it's very scary. But it's also, this takes place in 1995. Film grain is not a thing. <laughs> this is done on a digital recorder or like a VHS. Like yeah. you're really not going to see much of that. But you could also explain that away because of the old timey cartoons. More of a nitpick, but you could achieve that effect with something else. But I'm also not going to tell the director like they did yeah. it wrong because I don't know exactly what to make of this movie. I see the director post on Twitter on occasion. Seems like a pretty cool dude. Mm. Apparently they had a they had a, a YouTube channel where they made <laughs> videos akin to this based on nightmares. So <laughs> very much in their wheelhouse. And uh, yeah, I've never made a movie that grossed a hundred times its budget. So <laughs> I can't really talk. I, I, imag- I imagine they're as, they're as shocked about all this as uh, fucking... Oh yeah. This movie premiered at a festival and got leaked like, oh. several, several months ago. So all the hype that this movie got on TikTok was before the movie even had an official release. Mm. So the director actually released a, made a post or something to the effect of like, hey, I'm really glad you guys all like my movie, but <laughs> it's, it's getting hard to get it picked up by anybody because mm. so many of you are talking about having already seen it. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately, it did get a theatrical release and then it got a shutter release and it's doing incredibly well. So let's talk about our experience watching it. I <laughs> watched this film, and there was a point where I was just sitting here watching it, and the tension was building, and <laughs> the dog touched my leg, and I almost pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> this is both a pro and a con for this movie. Yeah. The, o- the opening, like, three minutes is incredibly strong because it is just dark hallways, liminal spaces, shots of a ceiling, and then very slow pans. There is no, there's almost zero, like, character interaction that you can visually see. A lot of it is just whispers back and forth. So this is an incredibly claustrophobic film. And, and we were and also in very the first, much on. And also in the first ten minutes, we're introduced into the protagonist, phone. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm a phone. You're in a movie right now. <laughs> Welcome to my movie. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by phone. I am the star. Phone. (laughs) Yeah, we do see phone. Phone does a great job in this film. Yeah. But uh, this is a very surreal film. It is very, very disjointed. Events that follow each other are not readily obvious. You are not really told what is transpiring. Yeah. I I have in my head conflicting theories about what is happening in the film. I am very surprised that this has a five-paragraph plot summary on Wikipedia. Are you fucking joking? (laughs) I am not joking. They wrote that much, and a lot of it is just recounting what little dialogue there is in the movie. So, like, you could stretch that out, I suppose. But this is a a nightmarish fever dream of just... Like, there's so many parts where dialogue is cut off, where experiences are just cut they're hard cut and then you're somewhere else and it feels a lot like an adult trying to remember something from their childhood and all you have are bits and pieces and if you had to stitch those pieces together 
this is the most complete idea you would have. Yeah. And it's very much, I think I said this on recording, you're asleep at night and then there's a sound and you wake up in the dark and your closet's open and you think you see something, but to go tell mom and dad would require you to get out of bed and cross your room. And no, you, you, we're not doing that. So you just lie awake, lie awake at night and you're scared as hell. That's the pervasive feeling of this movie is just, you know, it's dark at night and you want to crawl under your bed, except no, because something's probably under your bed. Yeah. And sorry, I, because of what you said, opened the Wikipedia page and scrolled <laughs> down to filming. And the, the cheapskate genius is even more than we originally thought. It was filmed. It was filmed in the director's childhood home. Uh-huh. Due to the limited budget, the film was made mostly using equipment borrowed from the local film and video art society of Alberta. Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah. Wow. All public domain cartoons. Yeah. No, that's that's fucking incredible. The name Skinamarink is just from a song from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah. I know I'm skipping ahead, but it doesn't really matter with this movie. But when we actually confront the monsters somewhat head on, our our, our Kevin arguably the protag not the real protag of this film says what's your name yeah, the protagonist is fun. you're sitting there you, you're thinking like oh he's gonna say skinamarink says nothing yeah and sure enough that's not that's just the name from 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 a thing in the past that's not the monster's name and... if there's if there's anything that could have that would have taken this over the line into ridiculous from scary <laughs> it would have been if that thing said its name was skinamarink yeah i mean the, one of the last things it said was also go to sleep. And I was like, do not turn this into Jeff the Killer. Yeah. I swear to fucking God, I will riot. And it did not, thankfully. But I mean, speaking, segueing from that, this is, this has creepypasta written it, this, all over it. This, okay. I think a lot of the people who are having such a, this is the scariest fucking movie of all time reaction that mm-hmm. Abysme and I didn't necessarily have, though we still appreciate the film may not be as familiar with internet analog horror as Abysme and I are. Yeah. This is this is someone's first time hearing the Russian sleep experiment. Yes. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Like, I, I love I love that this is generation and genre defining. Analog horror has been blowing up in recent years to the point of being oversaturated, but it's gotten to a point where it can actually have a theatrical release. Yeah. And the wider public has to pay attention to it based solely on how much goddamn money it made yeah. <laughs> compared to its 100%. budget of 15000 Good Lord. Yeah. So what happens in this movie? <laughs> That's hard to say. Yeah. There are Ke- Kevin and Kaylee, brother and sister. Well, okay, it starts with Kevin kind of hearing something down the stairs. He's on the second level of his home and he falls down the stairs and his dad has to take him to the hospital. It's not too bad. He had he didn't even need stitches, according to his dad, who I think is talking to his mom. Don't know. Yeah. And then after that, we have a lot of just j- disjointed shots and scenes of Kevin and Kaylee staying up late at night, watching TV, just hearing things upstairs and wondering why their parents aren't doing anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Then we slowly proceed to them investigating upstairs and <clears throat> we establish that this entity is 
taking their toys and planting them on the roof. And that scares Kaylee. And then eventually gets to the point where objects start disappearing, like windows and toilets. Yeah. The, uh, oh, boy. The, the toilet disappears <laughs> in this movie. And they have to start pissing and shitting in buckets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... We don't actually see any of that, but yeah, it's, it's established. And yeah, that's, uh... if there's anything you can take away from this, from our analysis of this film, it does not show you children pissing and shitting. <laughs> Very important. I would say the apex of this movie for me is Kevin, or is it Kaylee? I forget. It, no. it is. No, it, it is, is Kaylee. Kaylee who goes upstairs. Kaylee goes to the parents' bedroom. Mom and dad are sitting on opposite ends of the bed, facing away. <laughs> Uh, very, very all. A lot of the, this movie is very all the Blair Witch Project that people just like staring and up. And then important nothing. to note that when when mom is when mom is there, dad disappears. So they yes. mom and dad cannot exist in the same space. Yes, and we have previous mentions of why was mom crying? I don't want to talk about mom. Where did dad go? And that's kind of when we started to suspect. Oh, this is about a divorce. It might also be about abuse. Uh, it, like, could be. I don't want to yeah. talk about mom. And then there's the whole part where mom says to cover their eyes. Yeah. Abuse, neglect. Yeah. You get the feeling that Kevin and Kaylee have to kind of take care of themselves yeah. and be on their own for a good amount of this of their lives. So Kaylee walks in and is told to look under the bed. We mentioned this before, but that is a very effective, slow look under the bed. Sees nothing, though. But does, it does not matter at this point. It is such yeah. a claustrophobic, dark shot that it really works well. Uh, it actually kind of fakes you out because nothing under the bed. And then she talks with the mom a little more. And after nothing happens under the bed, you kind of relax a little bit. Then that's when you get the hand on the door scene. And then, then it's like, oh, yeah, fuck you, shit. <laughs> yeah. Kaylee's mom says to, you know, close your eyes and then... Kaylee's mom disappears and it's a lot of like sounds and things happen off frame but are in the scene nonetheless and we just hear almost like sexual moaning and bones breaking yeah okay um so mom's getting fucked by the skin of a rink That's what I took away from that scene. Um, Dad's not can, happy about we it. We can argue about the effectiveness of this movie all all, all the live long day. Uh, my Apple Watch just gave me a notification about my heart rate. <laughs> <laughs> my Apple Watch right now is like, are you jogging? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what to make of that. But Kaylee goes back downstairs and just, you know, Kevin says what happened. Kaylee does not want to talk about it. And I don't blame her. You know, what I just I just thought of something. Yeah. Kaylee's parents are sitting there scared. And someone tells her to look under the bed, which is a weird reversal because typically it's mom, dad, come in here. There's a monster under the bed. No, there's nothing. Don't worry about it. And this is kind of a weird switching of that. Yeah. And it's like they're scared and they, you know, I think Kaylee's mom says, like, I'm sorry and I love you. And I have to tell you something about your dad. There's a lot of something happened between the parents. We don't know. But something bad has happened, and it's affecting these kids very, very negatively. Okay, I'm I'm thinking back to the idea of abuse. When the dad's on the phone and is saying, like, no, no, he's fine, he didn't even need stitches. That circles back to the idea of maybe, maybe, like, he's trying to cover for something he did. Oh, did he push him down yeah. the stairs? Hmm. 
I could watch this movie like 15 more times and have like 20 more fucking theories about what's going on. I think it, it, it really obfuscates so much that there you, I don't care who you are. There is no definitive. I cannot wait to see the fucking explained video on this yeah. shit. Cause it, it's going to be so hollow. I don't think there is any one answer and I don't think there was intended to be. And even if there was, it is not constructed in a way to be like I, discernible. I, I have my theory now. But now my theory doesn't mesh well with the other theory, and God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fractured movie. You you are there's so little information you're given, and the little glimpses, a lot of it is just emptiness. It's just still shots. It's just static. And what little pieces you get are so minuscule that putting it to it's like the first Five Nights at Freddy's film, and we we made a lot of comparisons already to yeah. that. But it's like, yeah, if you squint hard enough, you can see some newspaper text. Does that explain everything? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, talking about this movie more makes me like it more maybe than I initially did. Yeah, it's a very fun discussion piece. And, and, I, and it, I it is and a I shame. It. No, 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 no. I, I think our only com- complaint was like, okay, this needs to do something. Yeah, this movie um, is an hour and 40 minutes long. And I several times made the point, like, you could cut 40 minutes out of this film. Yeah, and I, I don't think that would hurt the pacing whatsoever because the pacing really, like, it's a constant beat the entire time. Long shot, abrupt cut, long shot, abrupt cut. So if you cut stuff out, it's not like you lose that rhythm. And I think, but of course, you know, theatrical release. Uh, also, so I alternatively, can't... you could make keep this movie at a minute and for an hour and 40 minutes long and just do more. You also yeah. could do that. You And, and a lot of it is whispers between Skinamarink or the monster yeah. and a character and a lot of it is just vague nonsense but like, so but like maybe, maybe also the film's restraint is its strength yes i mean th- that's kind of the difficulty here i don't know how you would make like this is an experiment yeah. you can't say like well you should have done blank different well then it wouldn't be this yeah. film i think you can argue it does stand on its own but I think I brought up, like, if you saw this in theaters, half the people would walk out in the first 10 minutes because they'd be bored as hell. And then the other, like, third would walk out because they're too fucking scared. And the remaining, the remainder would be like, well, I want to see where this is going. And I can't blame any anyone in those three groups because yeah. that's just this film. But 100%. I do feel that it kind of runs afoul of the paranormal activity problem of audiences watching this are going to, like, probably get bored at some point to start talking and waiting for something to happen oh and yeah can- i 100 percent can't imagine watching this in the theater it, it would just even if you I, had like I, great i, I straight surround. up think in the dark with headphones on in your home is the perfect way to watch this film i think that's you know yeah like I, this is definitely made for a youtube social media audience it is made to be very intimate and personal this would this would be hard to watch in a theater. yeah like we had, I was running subtitles the entire damn time, and there are subtitles in the movie meant to like explicitly be there, but half the time there's not. And if I didn't have those subtitles on, I would not know what the oh, fuck was. Yeah, said. there were multiple times where I I fucking said what because I didn't I did not have closed captioning on, and I had to, I yeah. had to hear you tell me what they said. I don't know. Like, this is such an interesting film because does knowing what the subtitles said really change anything? Not really. You can gleam a little bit from it. Like, at one point, Kevin 
who has his parents are gone, his sister is gone. He's been told to stab his own eye by the the monster and has called 911 saying like I hurt myself and I'm sick. And a lot of that was unintelligible. Yeah. Would it really have mattered? You know that he's calling no. for help and then he has to drop the phone. Yes, he drops the the star of the film phone. I know you've been talking to phone. <laughs> I know you've been talking to international superstar phone. <laughs> Who then, as Sade has pointed out, turns into phone junior? Yes. Because we don't see phone after that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and turns into the most famous toy phone ever. The yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, um, that was a great touch. This movie, it has. I'm going to say like three or four jump scares, but two of significant note. One of them being the one hundred percent creepy pasta ass jump scare, <laughs> uh, where we get a loud noise paired with. Kaylee no longer having a face. And that was, it's a shame too, because that was a great buildup because the voice had told Kaylee to go down in the basement. And then Kevin follows later to be like, Kaylee, you know, what's wrong? And like, you know, she's laying down and then suddenly stands up, faces you. It's like those old screamers, yeah. you know, like it, it's just, oh man. If I had to fix one thing in the movie, it may have been that. But again, this is from a child's perspective. This is what would scare a child. And it's tapping into what scares us as children. So you can still relate to a lot of this. There's still that long, dark hallway where you feel paralyzed and you don't want to go down the stairs. And it does that very well. It just does it a little too yeah. much. And the other significant jump scare is with Phone Jr., which is we see Phone Jr. and goes from dark to light, and then we get a loud ringing noise with Phone Jr. now having a wider smile. Like, the, the two other jump scares in this, one is just Kaylee getting scared and dropping a flashlight. Yeah. And I think that was the first real thing we can call a jump scare in this movie. And boy, howdy, did it yeah. get me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, that was that was very loud. I've talked in the past about like earned jump scares versus unearned jump scares. Mm-hmm. I, I give this move. I give this movie a solid pass. Probably the best thing I can say about this movie in general. And I think we mentioned it while watching this is I think this movie accomplished 100 percent of what it set out to do. Yes. And that is for whatever criticisms we have of this movie that what this director tried to do and what they accomplished is so respectable because yeah. good Lord, dude, just like you doing so much with so, so little is a absolute rarity. Sorry. I wanted to, no I wanted to pour my beer in the cup, but my shot glass was still in the cup. Doing so little with doing so much with so little is such a rarity in this in these times. Not that that can't be accomplished on YouTube, of course, but the fact that this is has a theatrical release, like I'm just in awe. I'm in awe that this happened. Like fifteen thousand dollars, I could probably figure out a way to get fifty to fifteen thousand dollars. Well, and it was it was crowdfunded too, so like and then a lot of. That's not uncommon either. Whether or not those movies actually get made, number one, or number two, actually get released, they probably, you know, they run some indie film circuit and they don't yeah. go anywhere else, which is fine. But this, like, he shot for the stars and he hit yeah. the stars. And that is just, like, crazy. I think we've explained the bulk of the plot of the film. 
What? Yeah, what little there is. Do we want to get into theories a little bit? It's, man. Or is there even a point? I mean, I think every theory we have is based off of so little. And like you were saying, one conflicts with the other. We mentioned divorce. We mentioned abuse. There's the coma theory. Because at one point, there's this text that says 572 days or something. That would explain how disjointed all this is. But is that too easy? But then there's the other thing. One other thing we have to get to about the ending of this film is there we talked about the possibility that maybe it's an unhappy marriage and maybe abuse is involved there's a scene towards Mm -hmm. the end where we get repeated several times a shot of a giant pool of blood spattering on the carpet and after like the third or fourth time it happens our main character says mommy now and after like the third time it happens then you start hearing laughter from the and are we is that that is that kevin calling for his mommy or did daddy just kill mommy? <laughs> Again, like, I don't... It's hard to reconcile what happens after Kevin falls with everything else that happens yeah. in the movie. Because that could be Kevin's dad covering up something. But if it isn't, then it derails a lot of those other theories. Yeah. Also, the very beginning of this film, I still don't know exactly what happened. We have a shot of a hallway. Kevin walks in with something. And there's like we're told in the subtitles that a tape starts whirring and Kevin goes and wakes up his dad and says here. And then dad fusses with whatever he has in his hand. And then dad leaves. And then Kevin says like, dad, where'd you go? And then that ends. And then we have Kevin at night going into the hallway and something calling him down. And then he falls. Yeah. And is that Kevin, is that his dad pushing Kevin down? I, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what that means. And I, and I, I just, there's so, the theory crafting on this is going to be so skimp because nothing really connects well. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe someone's going to figure this shit out. But like I'll have to take any theory with a grain of salt because I don't, I don't care who you are. So much of this shit just does yeah, not connect. 100%. And maybe it's maybe it's fine that it doesn't. I'm, I mean, I'm fine not explaining the movie. I'm, I'm fine letting mysteries be. I like... Not knowing sometimes, I like just wondering aloud. And I think, especially for films this disjointed, I think that really is the objective. Whatever the movie, the the plot is, this is clearly shot from a child's perspective. And childhood memories are fragmented and incomplete. Yeah. And they, you know, you do your, you, you look back on those times going like, that was fucked up. I don't entirely remember everything that happened. As if I can get a bit personal, my parents went through a divorce when I was, I was older than Kevin and Kaylee at that point, but I don't remember everything that happened because I was young and because there was a lot of conversations that happened when I was not around and I heard yelling in other rooms. I don't know what was said. So, you know, if you asked me to recount like what happened with my parents' divorce, I could give you a fraction of the story. And it would be the older I get, the less clear it's going to become. That's kind of why I'm really leaning into this whole divorce angle, or at least there's something going on, something bad going on between the parents and the kids are, they're running away from it. It's all happening upstairs. So they're going downstairs. They're retreating to their comforts, which are their Lego toys and breakfast cereal and cartoons on their TV, but you can't hide forever. 
dead step on a Lego fallen die. Step, step, step. God damn kids! God fucking damn it! Kevin, get in here! Kevin! <laughs> Kevin, you're driving our marriage apart with your fucking Legos. <laughs> every night, every night, Kevin, we step on them. Eventually, we posited that objects getting stuck on the roof or the ceiling was their world being turned upside down. And at one point, Kevin literally is asked to walk through a door yeah. and he's on the ceiling. So, and he says, can so I go yeah, back now? So the, and the, he doesn't. The, the toys no longer offer any comfort. And right. they're either going on the ceiling or even at points just disappearing. That's that's another interesting visual theme. Things disappearing. Like toilets are one thing, but windows have disappeared. You can no longer look out. The door disappears. Kevin is trapped. He can't get out. He calls 911 and says... I'm in my room, but the door is gone. And I, you know, I think that's kind of an obvious metaphor of just feeling trapped. But uh, yeah, oh man, a lot you can read into. All of it very bad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna circle back to a thing I already said and like reiterate it. I like this movie more that we've now that we've talked about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I'm ever going to watch it again. (laughs) That's the thing. Yeah, like if someone's you know said like, oh, you know, did you like Skinner Marine? Hell yeah, kicked ass. You want to watch it? No, (laughs) because. It's going to be you and I sitting in a room, kind of just watching a bunch of filler. And then the person I'm watching with going like, wait, what happened? No, just, just keep watching. But what happened? Nothing. Keep watching. <laughs> Did something happen there? Yeah, but just keep watching. <laughs> wait, what happened? Well, let's talk about it now. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's if fine. Someone was because... like, do you want to watch Skin and Marink? And I'll be like, no, you watch it. And I'll be back in two hours to talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call me when you're done. We'll have lunch. <laughs> and you know, that's that's fine. Not everything needs to be watched yeah. ad nauseum, but it l- clearly has left an impression 100%. on us. And clearly is just, it's very discussion provoking. And I get that people feel one of two ways about this film for the most part, but I hope it's not dismissive to the point where you don't want to explain why you feel like the way you do, because that I feel is very much a disservice to the movie viewing process. I watch a lot of stuff that I don't like, but I love talking about it. And that's kind of the nice thing about movies. Okay. Do we have a spider room moment? Phone Jr. Phone Phone and Phone Jr. (laughs) Just just, just the reveals of Phone Jr. The first one, not the jump scare, which is great for me. Uh, Oh, yeah. I, I certainly hope Sade plays some context for why we find Phone and Phone Jr. so funny. Hi, I'm Phone Jr. <laughs> Another one of those nepotism castings. <laughs> Typical child actor, gotta edge in on his dad's acting career. The phone is definitely this movie's Larry. Because it's an entirely <laughs> a joke we created ourselves is our spider room moment of this. Movie. Yeah, and and phone and phone yeah. ju- phone is the Larry of 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 the, of this of this uh, hundred. So now that we have that established, my next question is: What is we know how much a good bottle costs? Mm-hmm. But me, what's the best cocktail you could think we can make for under twenty dollars? Oh boy, like buying the ingredients themselves. Oh God! Yeah, and I I know that's a challenge, but this movie making two million dollars after fifteen thousand dollar budget made inspired inspired this prompt. I think our cocktail for this movie has to be good, but impossibly cheap. 
vodka and coke or a vodka cranberry um so yeah just a cape cod yeah like it's it has to be effective but it also has to be like stupid popular and then people like because when i was in college and we were out drinking you know you're a poor college student so you you know find the quickest cheapest way to get drunk you're either pounding horribly cheap beer or just eating like you know vodka and coke everyone shout out to the seven dollar charcoal vodka bottle college students know what i'm talking about (laughs) okay formulating fuck the cocktail and just drink moonshine (laughs) maybe we're approaching this the wrong way I think we need a cocktail. We we can have an expense as expensive a spirit as we want. Let's let's go ahead and throw out mm-hmm. the first thing I said. But it needs to be something that evokes childhood memories. Well, back when I was seven and <laughs> drinking alcohol. So if we could get a mixer um, involved that's like Capri Sun or Sunny D. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What if one thing I did when I went skiing years ago, I think I was still in my twenties. I made white Russians, but then I poured it into my breakfast cereal. <laughs> and I believe it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And it's that that's about as like, yeah, there's vodka in it, but there's like Kahlua and okay. milk. Okay, and I'm circling cereal. back because I think you may have stumbled onto something I actually want to drink now. If you made a white Russian, but used rum chata. Ooh, yeah. To give it, give it like that, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch edge. That would be really um, cool, actually. Garnished with a Lego? No. <laughs> Garnished yeah. with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Or your your yeah. breakfast cereal of choice. Toss a bit in there. Does it need anything else beyond that? <laughs> All right. Nah. I guess that's the skin of a drink. Oh, I haven't liked that something that much since fucking the incredible melting liver. I have ev- Hold on. Hey, pause the episode. We, we, we're going to do something unprecedented for this show. I have everything to make this right now. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm, I'll go pee, and I'll, you go make the drink. <laughs> Hi, I'm back. You. Okay. All right. Yes, I completely... The ratios are probably weird. I did not shake it over ice, but we'll see. I'm, I'm going to try the skin of a drink right now. <laughs> this is... This is new territory for this show. This is this is awesome. Oh, that's goddamn delicious. <laughs> yeah. You could okay. Yeah. Going back with our initial theme, you could get away with putting really cheap vodka in this. All the flavors yeah. coming from the yeah. Kahlua and the I don't remember what the name is, but I have off-brand rum chata right now. But oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it's it's that you get that coffee and that I went okay two ounce vodka one ounce Kahlua. And about one and a half ounce of our knockoff rum chata. So it's so it's boozy. Yeah. But it's yeah, I get the taste of childhood from this and it it would definitely be better cold. Yeah. Yeah. This works. Oh man. Wonderful. Uh, so that's the skin of a drink. And hey everyone out there. Thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions, just go ahead and use the hashtag the Jameson Tapes and let us know which you want to hear. Tag Creative Horror. We'll we'll see it. I know we're all three months late to this, and all of you have yeah. already seen the skin oh, of the rink. Oh, yeah, so. and, and in addition You're to welcome. that, I don't know if we said this implicitly. I recommend. Highly recommend. Yeah, watch watch. Oh, movie. definitely. Not that we need to. <laughs> Not that this yeah. needs any more hype or recommendation, but yes. But, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and call that an episode. I'm going to drink the rest of this, because it is fucking mm-hmm. delicious. Uh, bye. Bye.
The Jameson Tapes is hosted and created by Alan Chaney and Abysme. If you have a movie suggestion for the podcast, please leave a comment, message us on the Creative Horror Discord, or tweet at Creative Horror with the hashtag Jameson Tapes. Creative Horror is a network of creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. Please visit us at creativehorror.com. <laughs>